As a people, we are constantly evolving, and part of what influences how we evolve are the conversations we have with ourselves and other people. Welcome to Evolution Space Chats, where we take a moment to tell our stories, to see ourselves in each other, and to grow in dealing with our daily challenges. Hello, my name is Divinity Khoji and welcome to another episode of Evolution Space Chats. Now, if you haven't shared this podcast with your friends or your family or your colleagues, I have no idea what you're waiting for. <laughs> uh, in season one, we did an entire episode on what wellness is and what it encompasses. And recently I read a definition of wellness that I kind of felt kind of simplified it all in terms of what it is. And the definition reads as follows. Wellness is the act of practicing healthy habits on a daily basis to attain better physical and mental health outcomes so that instead of just surviving, you are thriving. What I've learned about wellness, though, and realized is that it's so multidimensional and for us to get to a point where we are truly thriving there needs to be a balance that we try and strike in the different areas of our lives and today in studio with me i've got dr lerat omasemola hi dr Lerato. hi divinity how are you i'm great thank you <laughs> So, Dr. Lerato Masamola, known as Dr. Lerato to her patients, is a general medical doctor in her own private practice based in Randburg, Johannesburg. She is passionate about women and children's health and mental well-being. She is a keynote speaker in matters of health, wellness, and parenting. She loves inspiring others to realize their purpose and live their lives to the best. Thank you for joining us. It's only a pleasure. <laughs> so you are a medical doctor. Yes, Have I am. Always wanted to be a doctor. Did you grow up wanting to be a doctor? It's such a weird question because I don't know why people think <laughs> people who are doctors wanted to be doctors. My parents made me. I got black parents, so please. <laughs> they said you need to choose They're a like profession. You, no, 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 no. They didn't need I must choose a profession. They said you're going to be a doctor. Oh, okay. So you they enrolled me into med school. <laughs> said forget about your engineering um, applications at VITS and UCT which I got into mm. you're going to Medina you're going to be a doctor and I was like okay I was 16 when I finished my trick so I really was no opponent to my parents at the time I wasn't <laughs> going to argue nothing I was a child I knew nothing so I just went along but you know I guess there was method in the madness because this is where I'm supposed to be I absolutely love it in hindsight you realize that this is what you yeah my parents had wisdom not, wouldn't rather be doing they, 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 they either had the wisdom and they knew it or it was like a fluke and it worked out <laughs> whichever one it is whichever one here it is you are. here I am yeah <laughs> and I read somewhere that one of your mission or your greatest mission, rather, is to heal, inspire, and restore. Yeah. And how did you come about, or what drove you to having such a mission? Looking at my life, it's like my life events culminate into that. Like, I've gone through what I've gone through in order to impart that onto others. Mm. And after overcoming my own challenges... I know how important it is to actually heal those traumas and overcome stuff so you can be a wholesome person. You know, it doesn't help anybody to be holding grudges or holding on to when I was three years old, you know, you're like 42 now. I'm talking about myself. And then you're still holding on to what happened when you're three years old. What kind of life are you living? You know, mm. so with healing comes restoration. True. And then with sharing my story comes inspiration. 
Mm. And I'm a doctor, so I think it it all works yeah, together. Yes. So healing is just in my every fiber of my being. <laughs> and with speaking about your the things that have happened in your life and all the different experiences that you've gone through, you got into an accident. Yeah. In 2020, February the 9th, on a Sunday morning at about 10. What happened? I was just riding along with a group of people. Uh, with a, went to the place where cyclists train, I suppose you want to call it that. So and you cycle. Yes. As well as so okay. yeah. So bicycling because I'm like I fell off my bike. A motorbike? No, bicycle. Because I was a bicycle. <laughs> I fell off the bicycle, and so we just out there training for a race the next, the upcoming, the next weekend, basically. And it was my first time out at that place, right? But it was a, it's a beautiful place out in Heidelberg called mm-hmm. Sekerbos Rand. It's a nature reserve. It's got beautiful tracks and things like that. There I am on my mountain bike. We didn't even go off-road. We were just like on the tar road. And it's a cloudy day, but not windy because you don't cycle when it's windy because it's like a painful, you know? So you don't cycle when it's windy, but it was just nice and overcast, which is perfect weather because you're not going to be burning. Mm. And out of nowhere, halfway through my ride, I was like about 22 kilometers or so. That's when I fell out of a 50-kilometer um, loop. Okay. I got hit by what you call a crosswind. So you, got, you, you crossed a wind or the wind crossed your path, you know. Okay. So it's like a painful, basically. Mm. That's what happened. A mm. wind just hit me. And my friend said, I'm too small. I must eat more food and bab or whatever because I could have been more stable. So the, hint, the wind hit my, well, crossed me and I, I, my bike got unstable. Mm. And then in that instability, I panicked because I got control issues. <laughs> in that instability, I panicked. And instead of just letting it go and falling, I held onto my bike. Okay. And then a series of events happened. I flipped over, fell on my face and broke Almost everything that could be broken that had impact. My hand, my wrist, my knee, my two toes on one foot, my face in like 15 places. My Is lip was torn. Maybe because of the speed you were going? I was not going at high speed. I was just coming down from, a, I had just arrived at the peak mm. of a hill that took me forever to get to the top of. And as I'm arriving there, I'm feeling a sense of relief. Like, oh my gosh, I can finally breathe. You know, because mm. it's sort of a tough ride up. And then I'm starting to descend. When I checked my watch, when I eventually came to and I came home, I checked the watch that I was wearing to track my, 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 my exercise. Mm. When I fell, I was between, I descended from, when well, I went down from 15 kilometers per hour to eight before I just I fell. That is not fast. No. I checked prior to that, the fastest speed I was going was like 77 k's per hour. Mm. So I was not going, fast. not going fast. I was literally all. just starting a descent. The wind hit me, guys. There was nothing. There was no pothole. No there was car. no rock. There was nobody else who bumped into me. Hasibuloi. Or maybe Kibuloi. Maybe it's the wind they sent from Limbopo, <laughs> wherever. <laughs> the wind was sent. The wind hit me. The wind you, was just there. And, and the people behind me, because people in front, there wasn't nobody in, there was nobody in front of me. You know, like we're cycling in, in groups and batches. Mm. The person that I went with, my friend that I went to cycle with, was ahead of me. He's a more experienced rider. Um, he drives a, uh, he was riding a, he drives a, a what we call a road bike. So they, 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 they glide quicker. They just go okay. better than a mountain bike on a, on a, on a tar road. It's like you're pulling hard, you know? So he was ahead of me, waiting for me at the bottom of the hill. Mm. And I had people behind me. Mm. Not too far from me, by the way. Because the minute I fell, within seconds, I could hear people around me talking trying to help 
so yeah, so that's what happened. The wind hit me and then I just fell. There was no high speed. The wind was going at high speed, not mm-hmm. me. And how did that accident, because you, you broke practically everywhere. Yeah, I broke everywhere. How did that affect your, you and your life from that day onwards? So the first thing that came to my mind was like, okay, fine, I didn't die. So what now? Because... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm still here. Now I have to go to the hospital. I'm not going to come out of hospital today. I can just feel it in my bones, my broken bones. I'm not mm. coming out of hospital today. And then I was just like, okay, fine, we're here. What do we do? Mm. You know, so I had to just. And the mind shift happened almost immediately. Because really? at, Yeah, it was a month before my. A month and a half before my 40th birthday. And I would like to think that since I was 35 there was already a mind shift about how I approach life and how I see things and how um, I resolve issues or like it just my approach to life was just changed. Mm. I had matured. I was coming into myself. So panic is not something that happens to me easily. Easily, yes. You know, it's like, oh, this has happened. Okay, breathe. What do we do? Mm. Kind of a thing. So I fell. I heard my, my, my bones crack. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'm still here. What do we do? The shivers in my body, as you tell me. I, yeah. I could hear my bones yeah, crack. Yeah, my, my bones crack. And now I'm in panic mode. I'm in doctor panic mode. Like, okay, these people here, who is the doctor? Because somebody must come and rescue me. <laughs> I'm going to die on this place, on this star road. I've already made it. I've already like 10,000 million 2011 thoughts going through my mind mm. about my, my physical state at the time. At the same time, I'm just like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm not dead i don't feel like i'm dying it's everything hurts mm. but everything hurts far away like i can feel the pain but it's far away mm. i think it's like a not i think it is like that the adrenaline is pumping your body's preserving itself because once i got to the hospital i felt every little ache in my body like once i got on the bed and they're like trying to get my clothes off and clean me up and mm. get me ready for theater and all of that stuff i was like pump all the drugs you can at the same time I'm like I don't want the drugs because I don't want to be passed out I want to be aware of what's happening what if I die when I'm passed out <laughs> I want to see what I'm dying so anyway so I didn't panic I was just like okay this happened it's a huge inconvenience I'm not going to go to work tomorrow mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to work for a long time I knew it that mm-hmm. stuff had broken and I'm going to be out for a while mm-hmm. so that was what happened immediately on that day mm-hmm. then the next day I'm in and out of morphine oh bless morphine mm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the next day I'm in and out of morphine, nothing much is happening. I remember doctors coming to check me, but I'm in ICU and I'm just like drugged up. The next day the same. But I'm on less painkillers, I'm less drugged. So I'm Mm. more awake and I'm just like, so why am I in bed the whole day? No, it's just day two post-op, you know, we'll mobilize you tomorrow. I'm like, no, I need to be sitting up, I need to be off this bed, I need to be in a chair. The quicker I move, the quicker I heal. Get it, call the physio. They mustn't come to my chest, I want to know how to move this broken leg. Were you trying to doctor the doctors No, now? I was trying to heal. <laughs> but so, okay, now this is making me think, you know, around the whole notion of he- healers, essentially because that's what doctors mm. are or seen as. Yeah. They are seen mm. as healers. And then when doctors, healers need heal- mm. healing, yeah. how does that work? I were you back, able to be a patient? I sat back and I was a patient, but I knew that, that also me being a, a, a doctor, it also comes with people tiptoeing okay you know mm. and 
look, I was pretty banged up. Maybe that's what I'm in pain. I shouldn't be moving. Mm. So I was just like, I need to move. I know mobility is good for me right now. I'm awake. I can sit in the chair. Even if it's an hour, it's it's okay. Mm. And I managed to sit, like, I think for a good two to three hours in the afternoon. After my lunch, I sat in the chair until they took me off the chair, like, until, like, four or five o'clock. And that also gave me a sense of I'm in control of my own healing process, mm. you know. It was an advantage that I knew that it was safe for me to move. Okay. So because they were like, no, the physio is coming tomorrow. This is Tuesday. They're coming on Wednesday and they're gonna bring the brace. Then I'm like, there's a brace in this hospital. I'm getting it today because I don't want to know about tomorrow. Mm. The longer you keep me in ICU, the longer I'm gonna be in hospital, and I want to go home to my kids. That's mm. the other thing. My kids can't come see me in hospital like this. I don't want to traumatize them. Mm. They will see me injured, but it will be in my bed and I can hug them and I can explain to them what's going on. Mm. Not in a hospital building with uh, machines beeping and all of that stuff. Mm. So I had that. I was just resolute to heal and that I was just determined to not let everything else. I mean, like the pain and the emotional. Um, I was distraught because I was like, damn, I'm going to be out for three months. I knew it. I just knew. Like, my injuries are bad. <laughs> I'm not going back to work for at least six weeks, and I'm not going to be functional mm. probably for three months. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I, I had a hand injury, and mm. I need my hands to work. Mm. It was actually longer than that. But, um, yeah, so, like, I just need to get things, to keep things moving. So I just, I knew things were happening emotionally and mentally, like, in trying to balance the, you injured, but also stay positive and all of that stuff. Yes. And but just keep it moving so that it was not not a distraction. It just gives you something to do. Mm. It gave me something to do. So I looked forward to the physiotherapy session. I looked forward to getting off the bed. I looked forward to being taught how to walk again in a brace mm. with crutches. And Friday comes and they're like, um, we're going to discharge you to a step-down facility. I'm like, for who? I'm going home. <laughs> if I'm going to be discharged, I'm going to go home. No, there's nurses there. There's this. I'm like, I will go to the physio. At my house, there's my children. And there's my bed, and there's my comforts, mm. there's stuff that will make me feel like I'm not a patient. I don't want to get depressed about my state of mm. health, mm. physical, mm. you know, injuries. Then I convinced them that I, that evening they let me go home without having to go to a I think the main thing was I had a brain, I mean, I had a skull fractures. So they were worried that my brain might be swollen, even though the scan was normal. Mm. Then my baby might be swollen. She's going to be okay at home. Or she like maybe have moments of confusion or whatever. So, and I was just like, I'm lucid now. You know, I will tell people around me what to look out for. And I will just come back to the hospital. If you need to. If I need to, because mm. I'm not irresponsible like that with my health. I've got two kids. I have no business being irresponsible with my health. So... So yeah, so then I'm, but I do sit back. I sit back. I sit back and let the doctors. I listened to everything they told me. I did everything I was told. The physios, the hand therapists. I followed instruction to the T. And then I tried to deviate where I thought I could participate in my own management with my doctors. I told them, listen, okay, you want to do this about the scar? What about this? I do aesthetics. I've, I've used this product. What do you think of it? Can mm. I can I add it? You know. So it was in consultation with. It was never. They tell you go do this and you go home and like I we are slang you know what yes, I'm saying? Yes, I it was you. never like that. Mm. And I think it's important to also just take the time out and just sit back and let somebody be responsible. Yes. So I'm not a difficult patient, but I don't keep quiet when I know I can speak up. Mm. And it's it's never from a a, 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 a rude or know-it-all or like a condescending, it's not from an arrogant point. It's all, it's, it, it comes from as a patient, I would like my patients to be 
this way, then to be okay. empowered, mm, you know. Mm, so mm. if you feel okay to say, is it okay if I can move? The pain is not that bad. Then say it. No, you can't move because your pelvis is broken. We need to keep the bone stable. Mm. Then we explain then it to you why. But it's my yes. leg. Everything else is fine. And mm. this leg needs to move. And I don't want to be injecting things to me to stop clots. But motion also helps to reduce possibility of, of having clots. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You sound like you're very resolute um, in terms of knowing what you wanted and what mm. you needed and what would be good for you. And like you said that you were you were about thirty five. You were thirty five. I was forty when this happened. You were forty when but you were post thirty five yeah. and you were at a point where you kinda knew my how to navigate yes. life. My, my and GPS is clear. Taking challenges yeah. and yeah. can we speak about the importance of of your or, or rather the relationship between heal your healing in your healing journey, the relationship between your mental health and your physical health mm. and how those two actually work together to get you to a point where you are, yeah. you know, stronger and better and able to, to, to live again. Yeah. So, and I think it's, 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 it's expected that when something traumatic happens, it should shake you to the core. Mm. I wasn't like that because I felt like I had all the tools I needed to deal with whatever comes my way. There were days I had pain out of nowhere and it was blinding and I would cry mm. because I have to take painkillers to knock me out. And I would cry because I must take painkillers to knock me out. Mm. Not because I had the pain. I understood why the pain was there. Yes. You know, in, in, a, in, a, in a healing process, there's wound contraction. So when, when, when wounds close up and there's pain with that, whether it's bones or whatever, they just, you know, so I understood why there was pain, but the fact that now I must take painkillers would drive me mad mm. because I know they're going to knock me out until tomorrow. So I'm losing a part of my life that day <laughs> because now I'm not in control anymore. Mm. So I see control issues. So mentally, I feel like I was prepared for this accident. Mm. Nobody wakes up and says to me, I'm going to have the accident because I, I know how to deal with it. Mm. But mentally, I was prepared. So everything that had happened in my life up until that point, I was ready. Mm. My body was ready because I'm generally fit. I eat well. I drink my water. As you can see, I go no with my water bottle. I eat well. I exercise regularly. My bones and muscles were strong. So I wasn't just strong mentally. Mm. You know, I was physically strong too. So my body and mind were actually in sync because I would say, okay, I don't know how to do this. They're going to teach me how to do it. But the brain would just kick in and say, okay, but we can do this. There's not going to be a, ah, no, we don't mm, know, stop. Mm. So the determination was there. The tools to deal with the whatever emotional thing that could have come with this was there. Mm. I just I just didn't panic. I just knew it was going to be okay. Mm. I had been riding since I was 13 years old. I had never fallen off the bike. The, the, the speeds I used to ride as a child to go buy bread, to go to the post office, it was insane because mm -hmm. I wanted to come back and play. So I would get my back and feverishly, feverishly, ride, 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 ride. Get to where I'm going, come back. And like we used to live at the bottom of the, the valley kind of a thing. And the shop where I don't know, we used to buy stuff for mm. local shop was at the top of the hill. So every time I came back, I would literally take the corner as if I'm like those bikers who do the tour to whatever mm. countries. It would be like a shush, like a, yeah. you know? I never fell. So for me, I always felt like, not like I felt like I was invincible, I would never ever fall because mm. the saying goes, there are two types of riders. Okay. Those who have fallen and those who are going to fall. <laughs> I've been on a bicycle since I was 13 years old. Um, 
and I'd never fallen. So I had compound interest of falling waiting for me the month before I turned 40. Mm. And I laughed at myself. I'm like, I wanted to have this big enter 40 with a bang. Obviously, nobody knew about COVID at the time, right? Yes. Yeah. So I want to enter 40 with a bang. I'm going to have this party. I'm going to have a trip with my girls. Blah, 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 blah. And I did bang, but on the tar road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did bang on the tar road. And... Yeah, so I think mentally I was ready for the accident. I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, I was a ready little to bit. Deal. I was equipped. Mentally I think I was it's equipped part of that whole thing that everything happens for a reason. It happens at, for at a the, reason. At the time it's supposed it, to happen. Yes, Mm-mm. and everything that happens in our lives actually equips us exactly. for something else that's so going to happen. happen later. Yes, you and know we might say? not be aware at the time. Exactly. But when it happens, happens like you say, like, ah, yeah, you know. So even the, 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 my healing surprised a lot of people. Oh my gosh, this knee healed so quickly. My muscles were strong. They were just waiting to be able to move and then get back to what they used to. Mm. You know, that was the most frustrating thing, not being able to exercise mm. because I'm like, the muscle memory is there, but the, the stitches now in my knee, in my yes. bones, in my tendons, mm. you know, I have to wait for that to heal. But the minute I could actually use them, there I was. Oh, don't do too much too soon. I'm like, I'm listening to my body. I'm doing what needs to be done when, I, when it can be done. Mm. I'm not doing anything too soon. This body was ready to heal from this accident. Mm. Yeah. I love the things that happen to us physically because most of the time they are sort of like a mirror mm. to things that happen, happen to us emotionally and spiritually and psychologically. And there is the process of getting wounded and that those wounds becoming scars. Mm. And I read somewhere that scars are actually a sign of healing. Mm. If you end up with a scar, know that you've gone you through healed. a process and you've mm. healed. So from your perspective, what is the the process? And, I, and, and this is because I want the person that who's listening, who's going through something in their life that may be traumatic and it may not necessarily be physical. Mm-hmm. What is that healing process from wound to scar? Because I feel like sometimes when we've got the reassurance that... Because like you, you knew that, okay, this is what I'm going through now. This is what needs to happen for me to actually get to a point where I'm, I'm fine. <clears throat> Having that knowledge seems like it kind of helped you mm. deal with, with the whole healing process a bit better. Yeah. But when we get wounded and something happens, we, the healing looks so far away and so far off. It looks almost like something that's unattainable mm. and we don't see ourselves actually getting there. And I think it's because we don't we don't know we yeah. don't know that there's an actual process of when you get wounded up to when you get healed. So it may not be too detailed, but what is that, that process. process? It's a number of things, and they might not I might not be saying them in chronological what order. happened, yes. right? But I'm gonna start with I fell and I heard my skull crack and I thought I'm gonna die. A couple mm. of seconds later, I'm like I'm not dead, so I'm mm. gonna be okay. Mm. Just there. This thing hurts me so much in my, to the core of my soul. Whoever hurt me, my boss, my partner, or my child, whatever, something hurts and it feels like your heart's been ripped out of your chest and mm. you just want to die. But you don't die. So because you didn't die, you need to want to get, it, you need to want to get better. Mm. You must have the want, and the, the want to get better and then the belief that you, that you will. will get better. Because everything else in between is just getting there. Mm. And you wanting to get better also determines how quickly you get there. Mm. I believe, you know, life doesn't have a manual and we're all different people from different backgrounds. 
but I feel like a lot of the times we subscribe to prescriptions that society says, oh, you're grieving. You know, I'm going to speak about my dad. I lost my father in January 2021. Mm. Oh, the first birthday is going to be hard. Oh, the first Father's Day is going to be terrible. And then after five years, it gets better. I'm not minimizing or saying that people who go through it that way is not, it's, 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 it's wrong. wrong. Mm. That's how they're dealing with it. But if I wake up tomorrow and say that it's been two weeks, I've mourned my father, or I feel like my father is with me all the time, why am I sad? Mm. Would my father want me to be sad? No, he wouldn't. So I'm on earth living, pining after the body that's gone. Meanwhile, I feel its presence daily. And why do I feel its presence daily? Because I believe there's an afterlife. I believe in ancestors. And I believe that, you know, the soul leaves the body and but the soul doesn't die. Mm. So if I believe those things, why is it hard for me to believe that my father's with me all the time? You know what I'm saying? Mm. And in that, my healing for me was quicker. Mm. You know, it, it, it was difficult watching a coffin go into the ground and then your father's body in there. And you know, you're going to call him tomorrow and say, hey, how are you doing? Mm. Um, or I've got this problem. Can we discuss it? Yeah. You know, you're not going to do that anymore in that way. <laughs> but there's other ways to tune in. But it, for me, I felt like if I'm busy crying, I won't be able to tune into that space. You know what I'm saying? So just one thing that you, you, you think of in terms of your healing journey you go through traumas, whatever happens, and then you think, this is the end of life, surely. Mm. But then it's not, and you're still here. Do you want to have a quality of life that is good, where you're not pining after things, holding on to things, holding on to hurt, pain? Because you, you're going to waste your time and your life saying, this person did this to me. I'll never speak to them again. People break up and they have kids, but they can't speak to each other. Mm. and be cordial because Spanbani cheated or Spanbani left me, Spanbani divorced me. What kind of a life is that? You're not in a new relationship, but you still hate the other woman or the other man. Mm. Why? <laughs> I'm just like, did you die when they broke up with you? No. Mm. Do you want to continue living in an angry space? No. So why are you still angry? You, and then can you just like, want to heal, accept that you it will be okay, Mm. But also want it. That's one of the steps for me is very important. To so want wanting it. to keep moving was for me wanting to heal. I didn't want to sit in the corner and say, I felt my face is does not look the same. My face has changed. No? And this is now after two years, it's settled down to this. Before it was literally sore on one side and flat the one side. I did not, I could not see into the future how I was going to heal. Mm. I probably did shed a tear a couple of times about that because, oh my gosh, how am I going to look myself in the mirror and not see the same face that I'm used to seeing? It was because of that, not because now I'm like, I'm going to be ugly for the rest of my life because now my face is disfigured. Mm. It was a matter of, I need to now adjust to this new face, right? And it will come. And then, but I've got my kids and I've got my life and I'll go back to work and things will be okay. And my face is a part of my body. It's not the whole of me. Mm. You know, it will be okay. And that it will be okay was reassuring. So you know what? It doesn't matter. Healing is a process. In three months, you look different. In six months, you look different and whatever. To a point where the, guy, the doctor was like, okay, we need to have another operation. Okay, fine. We'll have another operation for the lip to make it look better. Mm. I just went along with the healing process. You, you want it. You, you accept that it will be okay. You want to heal. Mm -hmm. And then you do the work. I that had to go to physiotherapy once a week. Mm -hmm. I had to go to hand therapy twice a week. Twice a week. 
for 12 months, twice a week, that's eight times in the, in, in, in the month, that I'm driving out of my house, 7 o'clock in the morning, to go to a 7.45 appointment to fix my hand. Mm. I got tired. There were days I would cry with a therapist. Not from pain. There was pain. From sheer exhaustion. Like, when the hell is this going to stop? Like, I'm tired of seeing your face. No offense. Mm. Can I have my life back? Mm. So frustrations were there. Yes. And I acknowledged them. Mm. And she's like, yeah, I'm not taking any offense. I'm just going to be like, I'm like, you told me it's going to be 16 weeks. It's six months and I'm still here. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sorry, it's going to be another year. And I'm like, why do you want to see my face every day? <laughs> For another year. <laughs> For another year. You know, like, twice a week. Then we eventually moved to once a week. Then she eventually means, just come twice a month. Like, why do you want me to come twice a month? I must see you every week. And she's like, you were the one who didn't want to see my face. I'm like, yes, but now I need to see your face because I'm, this is what I'm used to. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You have become part of my I life. I become a part of my life now. You like then I'm like okay now I'm using it. Um, she's a crutch. Yes. She I no longer need her functionally. She's like you're much better. Mm. You know. Now she's a crutch, which we do also when we have emotional trauma. Yeah. You know whether it's food, alcohol, um, dependency on people. We use crutches, but mm. we need to know when to move on. Mm. So when she said twice a week, and I was like, you know, it should go get up, get up. When I need you, <laughs> you're not dumping me. Yet. I'm, I'm dumping you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deciding. I'm controlling exactly. when this is going yes. to end. <laughs> so, yeah, that was August last year. And I have never needed to see her. In mm. fact, in December, we, we were joking about it because she had to fill in some forms for my disability things. And she's like, you haven't come yet. I'm like, because I don't need you. But you know what? We can have a session just for, for, for all time's sake. I'm going to come <laughs> next year winter because I, it, it does get stiffer. In when it's cold I'm like yeah June July I'll come see you you can do some releases we can catch up about our kids because we got to know each other so intimately mm. because I was seeing her for 45 minutes twice a week mm. for over a year mm. you know so you also need to come to a point where you can let go of your crutches and you must recognize when those things happen yes. whether it's you know like I said food bad habits mm. and things like that in closing off this conversation mm. classically evolution space chat style what is your, what do you think of the concept of holding up space? I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's necessary. Um, if my understanding of holding up space is the same as yours, we need to hold those spaces for people to be to feel safe. You know, mm -hmm. I do that at work with empowering young, young young children. So any mother or parent is like, oh, my child wants to be a doctor. Can they come? I open that space. Mm. I didn't have it when I was younger, but I believe it's important. You know, somebody is going through something and they already people, I think human nature is to shame yourself when you feel like you're struggling. True. You shame me because why am I going through this? I'm the mm. only person ever who's going through this, which you are not, by the way. You're not the first, you're not the last. You're just in transit. Um, who do I tell? Oh, such a horrible thing. And it's just a lot of shame with not being able to cope with life. And I don't get it. You know, when you, when your car's broke, breaking down, you can take it to the mechanic. But when your life's breaking down, you don't, you don't need help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there need to be those spaces held so that people can go to, they know, I can go to Lerato for this. Yes. I can go to this organization because they, they already have established that they deal with stuff like this. I can mm. call this helpline and they're not going to nobody's going to judge me they're going to help me mm. so I think it, it, it's, it's important it's important because we need to shatter these um, social ills and all these cultural 
things that are just wrong, mm. stuff that traditions that are just don't even serve us anymore. Mm. We need to hold those spaces mm. so that we can actually start the conversations and basically do the healing. That's true. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've really taken out that. I love that you said that we are in transit. The things that happen to us are not unique to us only. And the and the fact that we need to want to heal, we need to want to get to a better place. And it's from that wanting that we get the drive to actually do the things that we need to do. Absolutely. We may not want to do those things, but because we want to get to a place of being better, mm-hmm. a place of healing, a place of peace, a place and of tranquility and restoration, mm-hmm. then we'll have the drive to actually do the hard things. And I always say that there's no escaping doing the hard things. There isn't. You don't get to be a better person. You don't get to grow as a person. You don't get to accomplish your life mission. You don't get to find out mm-hmm. what your life mission is without going through hardships Mm. and this thing of soft life soft life is for Instagram guys (laughs) and soft life always happens concurrently with hard life you don't get a coin there's no pause there's no coin (laughs) that is one-sided there's no magnet that is unipolar Mm. you know the atoms have the, the negatively charged and the positively charged. True. Everything in life happens alongside each other. So you see me living my soft life. Please know for there's some other stuff happening in the background. <laughs> that you do not see. That I do not see. <laughs> and if you are me, you will know about it because I share my experiences to empower other people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, but if people don't share, it doesn't mean they're not going through it. You know, so the two coexist all the time. All the time. So don't ever feel like when you're going through this. And that, 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 the other important thing is that the two coexist all the time. But when you are in the negative or the down, yes. you forget that to look up, to say, what am I grateful for? What is going on that is good in my life? Mm. No matter how difficult it is to see through your tears and the pain, you'll find it if you look hard enough. Mm. It might be a person, it might be a space that's held for you. Yes. But you won't find those things if you don't look for them because you're thinking, this is the end. I'm down in the dumps. My life is horrible. Nothing ever comes. Last week you were happy, but today nothing (laughs) Nothing ever comes right for me. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think another thing that we love to do is to Mm. take the one component that's going wrong and we say everything. Everything Everything (laughs) in my life goes wrong. (laughs) Yes, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it really does take us just what is it that you want and you you'll the things that you focus on are the things that will that, be amplified exactly and that that you'll see Absolutely. so if you are focusing on the bad and the wrong and the negative that's all you, you won't see the to, positive yes yeah. but it doesn't mean that it's not there you just need to flip the coin when you're on the bad side flip the coin when you go to sleep the sun's gonna come that's true. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Thank you once again. Okay. This podcast is available on Sowetan Live as well as all of your major podcast platforms. Mm. Till next week. Be part of our community and follow us on our social media platforms. Till we meet again next week. Love and light. Evolution is the key to breaking the cycle of the norm. Mm.